Hello, everybody, and good day and good night, wherever you're from. Uh, it's Worldwide Charles back again with you for another podcast today. Uh, we are episode 34, um, and today, as usual, I am your host, Kamal, a.k.a. Lump of CFC. Uh, today, we have an unfortunate discussion to talk about. Unfortunately, we do have to talk about our last two games, the horrific 3-3 draw away at West Brom and the unfortunate loss the other day to Spurs in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, on penalties. Uh, before I get into it, I do have to introduce my fantastic guests, as always. Mikey Mike, a Texas living, barbecue-eating guy. How are you, my friend? Doing fantastic, man. How are you? No, I can't complain. can't complain. Nice, I, was, I was a little bit dejected the last couple of days, but getting over it. Yeah, man. Same, bro. Yep. Uh, Corey, how are you, my friend? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for asking. Of course. Uh, how's the family good? Everything's good. Everything's good. You know how it is. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, and Andrew, my dude, filling in last minute for Mavito. I appreciate you coming in a short notice. Absolutely, man. Uh, pleasure to be on here. As always, I'm uh, looking forward to putting the Spurs and West Brom fixtures behind us, too. Absolutely. Yeah, they were depressing, but we do need to talk about it just for the content. And, you know, I do want to give a shout out to everyone at WWC real quick. You know, we have been putting out an unreal amount of content recently. You know, last week, I think we did like, shit, I think it was like three or four episodes. We did like a bunch of stuff. We did a bunch of articles. So props to everyone who's involved. I'm not going to shout out everyone because that'll take too long. But props to everyone. Um, but yeah, man, this is what WWC is all about, that content, thick and fast. Um, so let's dive straight in. You know, I'm going to absolutely skip player ratings today as usual. Um, just because it takes too long and there's more important things to dissect and get into. Uh, so let's get our initial thoughts on the West Brom game to start with. Um, and, you know, you guys, I'm not too sure how you feel, but I, I hate it. I, I'm sick and tired of conceding these shit goals. I'm sick and tired of these individual mistakes. I'm sick and tired of these piss-poor lineups. And everyone and their mother knows Marcos Alonso is not good enough. So why is he starting? You know, everyone knows that you need a direct and fast winger to act, attack the opposition. So why didn't Cho start that game? You know, don't get me wrong. The changes made at halftime worked. But we shouldn't be 3-0 down to a team like that. And our guy, Arrow, put it perfectly the other day. You know, Everton spanked West Brom 5-2. And they have a bunch of new guys as well. So don't give me the time to gel and all that kind of nonsense. But, you know, with Chelsea, we shouldn't be having these kind of results. And we constantly keep happening. Um... So Corey, help me understand this game, man. How do you how do you analyze that game? Um, well, I think uh, you take it on the chin a little bit. You, I mean, it's an unfortunate thing to go down what three goals before halftime. Um, I tried to put that game behind me pretty fast. Uh, at the first half, I was kind of just kind of miserable and sad to watch what we what we saw on our television screens. Um, to see Marcus Lonzo, whatever he decided to do on that header back to nobody. And then, and, you know, obviously you see the Silva slip. It is what it is. The back pass from Kovacic wasn't the, wasn't the greatest. Um, but, you know, you kind of just – it is what it is. You know what I mean? Games like that happen. Um, but it does come down to individual mistakes, like Frank says, at the end of the game. So, like, stuff like that really does kill you. Um it's just unfortunate that it, it keeps happening um, at least once or twice a game that we keep slipping up these mistakes. Um, and it seems like it's a, 
it seems like it's a recurring issue. No matter who is helping us defensively, it just seems like no matter what, these players still have these mental these mental lapses, and it, it's unfortunate because you go down to a team like you just said, who Everton spanked these guys five to two, and then we go out at the first half and we're down three nothing. It, it's 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 kind of unfortunate that we have to crawl back against West Brom. Uh, it's not the Chelsea way. We're not. We're better than this, and we have the players on the pitch to prove that. But it seems like every time you think that it should be an easier game, it ends up being one of the hardest games we play all year. So, um, I lost for words. Typically, so you mentioned that you know these kind of games happen, but let's be real. Does it happen to Man City? Does it happen to Liverpool? You know, like what what are we doing wrong um, last season? This season also, you know, I know it's only been a few games, so I don't want to dissect it too much. Mm. But I don't see the progression that we should be having, you know, should be having so far. Yeah, it's I don't really I don't really understand it either. I think it might boil down to just inexperience with with Frank. I think where it comes into not to like really put a lot of blame on him. And I know he takes most of the blame. He's the one who picks the lineups, puts the players out there and it does fall down to the players um, on the pitch, but it also does come into micromanaging a little bit. I think um, sub 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 substitutions that you could tinker with rather than seeing like the same guys you see, like for example, like sorry, you used to always do the, the COVID shits Barkley thing. And then you always see Barkley come on, like maybe try to try something different. I know that he tries to, do something different, but sometimes it doesn't always work. And you, like you said, you don't see Liverpool or Man City do these type of games where they go down to West Brom three, nothing. It's kind of unfortunate that it happens to us so often. I I don't, I really don't understand. Like I said, I think it's just some of these players, they, they flick off for an instant. And in that instance, you can't flick off because then it's a mistake. Like the Alonso header, for example, like realistically you should never put that ball into a danger area like that ever at that point if you feel uncomfortable with that ball at least head it out at least head it backwards out it, rather than concede a throw in rather than concede a complete goal that Callum Robinson just just took you know to the house so it, I don't really know I, I, it's hard to explain really for me no I mean it's definitely one of those things where you just can't pinpoint or it's just lost for words yeah um, so yeah you're definitely right Mike, analyze that game. I know you're a bit more positive than I say a bit more positive. You're the most positive guy we know. So like break it down and just like make it make sense. Well, I mean it was a it was a terrible first half. I, I don't think that there was a, a bright spot in that first half that you could point to and say, Oh man, that's that was that was something that we can build on. But the one thing that I always kept in the back of my mind was the fact that one, it's it is West Brom. And two, we we have the players and the personnel for that matter to to fight and get back to it. It's going to come down to um, second half adjustments. Which credit to Frank in that respect, he made those adjustments. Um, now there, there's always going to be that argument, like you pointed out, should this even ever come to this? Had you know, had he perhaps maybe started Cho, uh, we can go back to the Liverpool game. Um, you know, last season, if he had just started, if he had just started Pulisic. Uh, would we even be in that position? Um, so there are some things there that you know that that I really think Frank is clearly learning on the job with this here. And there's there's times where you really kind of have to scratch your head and go, what's he doing here in this respect? Now, a couple things that I that I will guess on are it's it's a hell of a long season, and we do have some injuries that we need to manage. 
Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, and I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt by assuming this, but I'm assuming that he's he's trying to minimize the the risk that some of these injuries may be reaggravated, such as maybe not having Chilwell come on, uh, maybe you know perhaps down the road this weekend Pulisic doesn't start. Those types of things, I think maybe he's keeping that in mind uh, when he's looking at mitigating those those potential reaggravations, those risks down the road. Um, but yeah, I, I think with respect to this West Brom game, I, I always, man, I'll tell you, I, I felt, and I'm, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, but the entire time I felt like, man, we can come back from this and we should never celebrate a draw to any team uh, from West Brom to Liverpool to Man City to United. Who I don't care. It, it's, it, 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 we should never celebrate it. But I'm happy, I'm thankful in, in this respect that we at least got a point and we salvaged a point out of this whole thing. Um, because, yeah, it was, it was definitely a tale of two halves. Uh, Marcus Alonso absolutely should never see the pitch for Chelsea again. Uh, there's a couple of other players you know, that we'll talk about that I always feel like, man, you're done here, you're finished. I, 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 we shouldn't see you again. Um, so those things right there. Uh, oh, tell me who, tell me who. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. Emerson's one. Uh, we should never see that guy on the pitch again. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say it. Um, I strongly suggest and strongly feel that, you know, Christensen for, you know, the inconsistencies that he has he has shown um, through the, and I'll tell you through the short window that I've seen from him, um, it, it's it's not good enough for Chelsea either. Those those guys combined with Emerson. I'm sorry. Combined with Alonso, should should never see the pitch again, um, for that matter. Um, as you know, for Chelsea, unless we're in dire need. Um, yeah, the the whole thing with Emerson just really soured me, and we'll, we'll we'll touch on that down the road, of course. But yeah, that I mean, when I'm talking about this game and analyzing it in this respect, um, man, you, you got to give credit where credit's due when we talk about this game. Mason Mount played a fantastic second half. Uh, I mean, he he really played his ass off the entire game. Um, I think that's the one thing that you can always say about that guy is he plays his ass off. He works hard, but he doesn't do anything that's like, oh my God, that's, oh, that's, that's, just, that's the, that's the hallmark Mason Mount, you know, game that he has, you know, that you don't have those types of, you can't, there, there's nothing that you can point to. There's no skill. There's no particular thing that he does that you can say that about, um, Cho played fantastic. Cho really showed that, hey, man, maybe I do belong in the starting 11, especially with the injuries that we have with Ziyech and, and with uh, with Pulisic right now. But, hey, man, um, I think Frank um, is approaching this game and perhaps maybe even the Crystal Palace game as these are preseason games, uh, which is, is, a, is a detriment because I don't think anybody else in the league is doing that. Um, which could really put us behind the eight ball if we if we don't get it right. Yeah, that's that's scary. If he is, I, I I don't I don't think he is, but I see what you're saying in just in terms of trying to get fitness and gelling together. And there was no preseason, so I definitely see what you're trying to say. But it's 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 come to that point where you just can't risk points. Um, points are too valuable in the Premier League, so they just need to go at it. Uh, Andrew, so what, what? How do you dissect that game? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Mike and Corey covered the the main themes, and I think that they're recurring from previous matches as well as the the Spurs match that followed. Um, that was 
you could attribute all three goals to three individual defensive lapses. Uh, nothing new. Every defender that Mike had listed off, I, I am wholly in agreement that they're not sufficient for Chelsea right now. Um, I am consistently startled since the Brighton match about whether it's Reese James or whether it's Alonzo. Every dead ball, whether it's a corner or a, a sharp angle free kick, it looks like we just have someone floating back post wide open. I, I don't think I've seen a corner delivered where I, I didn't have, you know, my heart in my throat seeing Lewis dunk or, you know, I, I don't know if it was Robinson for the back post goal and then against Spurs as well with um, with Emerson. So that was unsettling. Um, I do agree with Mike that Mason Mount, especially, yes, he's not a, um, it's not a, a stellar player. He doesn't light the, you know, the, the stage on fire when he plays. But these types of fixtures against a, a back five and against a, a team under Billich that's probably really well disciplined and drilled, with the exception of the Everton red card. Um, he's the type of guy that you need to brute force through defenses like that. You know, he was, he was using his body. Well, he was constantly pressing and he found that gap kind of between the wing backs and the three center backs where they, they struggled to shift kind of like we do. Um, so I thought he was fantastic. Uh, Callum was fantastic as well. And then the, probably the most disappointing part about that match on top of it being a draw was uh, Werner and Tammy missing chances that I I thought they should have converted. Uh, we can talk about the final balls in the Spurs game um, that were poor from Cho and Mount, but Tammy and Timo, uh, I think they, they had to do better there because it wasn't for a lack of creation in that match. It was... They could have had three goals between the two of them uh, if they converted those those two extra chances. So I was glad that Tammy got on the score sheet. I loved the one-two between Kai and Joe. Um, and Mason Mount had a great game effort-wise in the first half and, and substance-wise in the second half. So, um, yeah, it, it was more of the same. I'm tired of it. And I do agree with Mike about managing injuries where you look at how important Pulisic and and Hakeem Ziyech are going to be um, moving forward and how we do have a history of rushing people back from injury or burning them out immediately on the tails of returning. We should be able to beat West Brom. We should be able to beat Crystal Palace with the team that we fielded against West Brom, the 100%. So I don't think that it's worth rushing Pulisic back if there's a absolute inkling of of an injury or risk um that being said Chilwell needs to play for us so, uh, there i we must have a monopoly on the worst left backs in europe right <laughs> here at chelsea because i mean they are but both they're wanted just, that's the funny thing they're yeah it, yeah and it, it i mean uh bakayoko is wanted as well and the, you know i, I guess he, <laughs> He's had a productive loan stint, but I mean, yeah, that's that's always going to be an enigma to me is uh, how there's still interest in in those two players respectively. But yeah, you know, it was disappointing again, and the the Spurs match I think was even more meandering, and I know we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good mentality to get a to get a draw there um, with a stoppage time goal. I'm glad that Tammy was there. I'm glad that Tammy was on side. Um, but we can't drop points there at the end of the day. That's just my, my short 
review of that is we we should not drop points in that fixture. No, absolutely. I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I understand and I respect the fact that the second half was completely different and Lampard's substitution changed the game. But it, it, to me, it was like the, he shouldn't have to have done that. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, you know Alonso's terrible. You know that. And you've known that all of last season because there was a period last season where Alonso just got dropped straight up and Emerson didn't feature at all either. And you're playing as P left back. So in a game like this, you bring on Aspi and he changes the game too. You know, Alonso gets yanked at halftime, and there's reports after the game that Frank is like livid and going absolutely apeshit, and it's the most angriest he's ever been, and he has a massive falling out with Alonso. So this is you already know Alonso's attitude is shit. So why are you even starting him in the first place? Just start. That's the kind of question marks I have about Frank is like, okay, you shouldn't have to make these subs. You should already be starting that lineup. I don't know. Do you agree with me? And anyone can chime in there. Uh, yeah, I think Aspie at left back is a better option. If, if we are trying to um, face Joel back in, I, I think Aspie, when, when he's fit, and that's why I was surprised he made a late cameo against Liverpool as opposed to maybe 45 minutes or even the whole match. Um, Aspie should absolutely. The the Cho thing, you're right, you can debate on whether he's more impactful as a sub or if it would have remedied our problems up front um, to have him start the match. But at, at left back, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty after both the West Brom match, but yeah, uh, Aspie is double, triple the quality and consistency of, of a left back, even out of position, as uh, as both Emerson and Alonso are in my eyes. So yeah, that's when you question it. It's like you question Frank for that. That's what I mean. When when the timeline questions Frank, that's the kind of stuff we mean. It's not like Frank's an idiot. No, he's one of the smartest men in football. But if you're one of the smartest men in football, why are you doing stupid shit like this? Mike, how do you feel? Do you agree with me? Oh, it is. It's 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 it could you could you could also say that, that that's the definition of insanity. Um, in terms of you, you're expecting a different result by doing the same shit over and over and over, right? I mean, and 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 <laughs> it sounds like you know after I, I guess after that game, you know, Alonzo might have gotten his feelings hurt by Frank, um, and there could have been some sort of you know discussion about like, hey man, don't let me down before the game, and you know, Alonzo. I mean, and, and let's let's be fair, man. I mean, Alonzo. He does have that threat on the attacking side, but you know this was clearly not a game for him to to be featured in. And Dave definitely should have been in there. Um, but let's let's also you know let's also point out Reese wasn't necessarily the best best player out there on the pitch either. Um, oh, so no, no. <laughs> we, I mean, there was a lot of shortcomings in. Um, who knows, man? I mean, it could have been a situation where I mean, in Frank's mind, he thought. Okay, if we can somehow, you know, mitigate what's going to happen on that left side, we'll be fine. But, you know, Alonzo made a couple of piss poor decisions uh, in the first half specifically, and basically just, I mean, we're we're playing catch up at that point. There's no question about it. He's responsible for that, um, and I think that that's, you know, and he he deserves every bit of backlash that Frank directed towards him after the game as well. I, and whatever it was, I mean, I, I don't know if those those claims have ever been substantiated, but it seems like there was something that was said because it looks like he's on his way to another team. So, um, no, absolutely, this is this is a situation where we, you know, Frank 
needs to at least start to understand and know his people to the point where it's like um, a guy like me, a guy like you know any of our any of the fans for that matter um, can can sit there and go this is, this isn't a good lineup and 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 be proven right. That's the thing that kills me here is being being sort of like right in those situations where I'm like, damn, I have a bad feeling about this lineup. Like I, I don't feel good about this. And then lo and behold, we're, you know, we're, <laughs> we're three nil down and wondering how we're going to get back into this game. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, no doubt Frank deserves, you know, some credit for seeing the mistakes and being like, okay, you know, changing things and, going all out and getting the, the draw in the end. But to touch on to touch on the Alonso stuff, for those who aren't aware, um, Simon Johnson from The Athletic and Matt Law from The Telegraph both confirmed the story that basically Frank Lampard got into it with Alonso at halftime because Alonso, uh, after the game, sorry, because Alonso wanted to watch the rest of the half on the team bus and not on the bench with the rest of the team. And so Frank Lampard said that's absolutely not on you know, you're with the team at all times, good, bad, and, you know, the good and bad. And Alonso was like, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be on the bus by myself watching the game because you yanked me at halftime. So that's all I needed to hear about Alonso's attitude. He's not in it for the team. He's in it for himself. Corey, what do you think about that whole Alonso shit? And is is it absolutely fair that we can critique Frank for, for being an idiot and not starting asking the first place? Uh, yeah, I was actually going to like mention like your point like you said that um Lampard's one of the smartest people in football but to my point I always say um although he might be one of the smartest people who to ever play the game it does not make him the smartest coach um yeah. I think if, if it's straight up I mean honestly like uh, you see it in a lot of other sports you see it in like American sports a lot like in football and stuff great players go on to be coaches and they typically or sometimes they don't succeed well just because they what they did and they try to translate it to what's going on now, it may not it may not work. You know what I mean? So, for me, I think for me, you he you want him to learn from his mistakes. You, we all want him to learn from his mistakes. But how many times is he gonna keep shooting himself in the foot? Starting Marcus Alonso playing in the left. Exactly. You you know that he's gonna go out there. Yeah, sure. He adds that goal threat, like Mike said, and and. He's got a wonderful left foot. I mean, he's probably got one of the best left foots on planet Earth. But would do, do you really want to sacrifice at him playing at a back four where he's going to travel 70 yards up the pitch and maybe put in a shit cross where you could have Aspie at least play going forward and also can track back and who is also much faster than Alonzo ever will be? You know what I mean? Like, it's the same excuse they use for Jorginho. Jorginho's slow. So why don't we say the same thing about Marcus Alonso? Marcus Alonso gets burned, almost. He got murdered by Terry Glanty oh, in Brighton game. Got destroyed. <laughs> destroyed. And we and he started the next game. And he started the next game like it didn't even exist. Like why? What's the point? At least Aspie, yeah, he might have gotten burned, but he would have at least held Terry Glanty to making sure he's not going to get bypassed like he's a child on the field. Like he just got worked all game, and we just who's, kept the, who's the dude that destroyed him in the West Brom game? I I forget the name of it. It's gonna, it's gonna kill me. But look. someone destroyed him too. Like there's a clip of him just getting. At, he had like a good five yards ahead of him, but he still got destroyed. I don't even. I. It's out of my memory by now. But <laughs> I, I just, I, I get it. He, he probably wants to play someone who is experienced. But he played with Aspie, who was playing left back for years. Right. 
what so you know he can play it. What's the point? It's not like you're gonna take off Reese. Like he's clearly starting Reese because Reese is he has talent. He's got the skill to be out there. I wanna I I don't I'm not like Frank out. I'm not Lampard out. I'm not like Frank's an idiot. But so, you you're fair to critique the manager. And if he makes like problems like this and it occurs when you go down three nil down, you're allowed to critique him. Like no one's on you. The fans who say you can't critique him, it's too early. That's that's bullshit. People critique. People were probably critiquing Klopp when Klopp first came into Liverpool, and when he wasn't succeeding well. Same thing with Pep when Pep started when Conte played, and he got Pep got worked by Antonio that whole season. And they were probably City fans are probably like Klopp, Pep out. He's he's trash. You know what I mean? Like right. you're fair to critique him. Don't just because you guys like we've touched on like the match going fans. Just because you go to the matches doesn't mean that you have a higher opinion than everybody else who watches the game. That's just how it is. It's it's fair. I mean, we all sit there, we all watch it. End of. Yeah, and I might just text us that semi agile that yeah. destroyed him on the on the white ring. That was jog past him. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally, he had like a good Alonso had like a good five yard start, head start, and still got burnt. But uh, this is the thing with Alonso, man. It's I just don't understand why he gets second chances and why Frank. I, I get rotation and stuff like that, but this is you got to win, man. You got to start winning games. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go on to let's go on to Spurs. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, you know we won the up at halftime, controlling the game. You know we had two excellent, brilliant chances to end the game. You know Mason Mount at this level, you can't be messing up those passes, man. Absolutely cannot. You know Cho needs to play the simple pass, and Tammy, you know, just look up. Tammy's right there screaming for it. Um, you know, and I get that they're the two best players the game before. And they're probably the two worst the next game. So is this just a question of like them being young and you know having those inconsistencies, or is Mount just burnt out? You know, uh, you know his Mount has been playing, has played, sorry, every second of every minute of every game this far, and it clearly needs a break. And you know, I'm not going to slate him about the penalty because it happens. And Frank even said that Timo Werner was slotted in to take one, but couldn't due to cramp issues. Um, which is kind of concerning, but I get it. He's played a lot also, and he's he's fast, so he's always on his legs. No, so again, guys, you know, is Frank inept at picking a lineup that makes sense? Is he tactically inept? You know, because the game showed to me that we dominated possession, but that was it. You know, we didn't really have any many shots. We didn't have really any clear-cut chances besides the ones I just mentioned. And in the second half, we got absolutely worked. And as I said the other day on my Twitter, I love Lampard with a passion so much, man, but you know, what is his system? What is he trying to do? It's been over a year with him now, and I still have the same questions that I had at the beginning that I have now. And it's, I, I'm not going to say I'm reactionary, only starting to concern me, but the little thoughts are trickling into my brain just a little bit. Like, is he the man? So, Andrew, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, uh, we, we did dominate possession, um, which I think is such a meaningless statistic in those types of matches. Absolutely. I think um, the yes, okay. So, so Cho and Mount both had pretty high probability opportunities to put in Timo Werner, and I, I don't know if it was Timo twice or if it was Oli. Um, but yeah, that that one of those at the very least needs to go in, and we still need to be critical of the one that doesn't go in. Uh, but that that was unacceptable. I think what we noticed, though, with with those being two of the only really threatening chances that we had in the match, honestly, 
uh, is that, okay, we had the Jorginho and Kovacic pivot between Hudson Adoy, Timo, Mason Mount, who, yes, was absolutely burnout, and uh, and Oli. There really isn't a creator, and I don't think that Jorginho and Kovacic um, tend to crash the box late, which is something that you saw Kai Havertz do against West Brom. Um, the directness and the one-two goal that Cho and Kai had, um, the, the second goal in the West Brom match, you, you didn't have someone quarterbacking that offensively. And we moved the ball, and it was meandering and, and meaningless possession. Um, and then defensively, it was more of the same. It was nice to see Edward Mendy command a box. Um, Emerson, yes. I mean, so disappointing. And yeah, I mean, everything that we, we talked about with regards to the left-back situation and playing Aspie out of position, at left back, I know he played right back against Spurs, but I mean, hey, as as poor of a match I think on a whole that Reggion had, um, he he was active, and you could tell that it was a, a kid that really wanted to get involved um, and kind of make a statement in their initial initial match. Um, but Asby did phenomenally offensively and defensively matching up with him, and um, oh, he ripped him. I yeah, possible. He, he, yeah, exactly. And even even outside of that, that was like the Jorginho Robertson uh, tumble, <laughs> right? It, it's it's a it's a outlier instance, and it it isn't necessarily indicative of how amazing Aspie was, but he was he he was outside of that phenomenal on both sides of the ball. Um, but you look at that Spurs lineup again it's kind of like West Brom with the with the team on paper that we fielded uh whether the system was correct or you think there's a better system that accommodates that or maybe make one or two changes uh without Pulisic and Ziyech etc we still should have absolutely won that game yeah that team put out with this disgraceful sorry thanks for you no 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 absolutely I mean it, it was a it was a mid-table team. I mean, you look at the the midfield and front line, and it's like, I, I don't even know who the danger man is. I, I would have probably said, if if Steven Bergwijn is the most dangerous player in your midfield and front five, I guess, you know, you should be able to cope with that as a, as a top four Premier League side. So, yeah, it was another disappointing result. I, I thought it was more disappointing than West Brom from the standpoint of the lack of creativity. And 100%. I thought it was moderately less disappointing defensively. But at the end of the day, it's the same story of singular lapses in defense that will cost us that match. Because the, the shootout's a moot point, right? But we shouldn't right. have gone to the shootout. Um, whenever, whenever you're leading for you know, 85 minutes in a match and you know that it, it'll go to penalties you know, to concede then. Yeah, that's frustrating. So another another disappointing one. Um, more positives to take away for 90 minutes of defending, but uh, fewer to take away from our uh, offensive creativity, I think. No doubt. Yeah, the game the game just wasn't fun to watch at all. We didn't do anything. Um, Mike and Mike, so touch on touch on the game for one. And I also want you to touch on Mason Mount and Cho and, you know, 
whether they're just young and inconsistent or specifically Mount, obviously, in this case, because he, you know, he's been the subject of, you know, of controversy on, on our Twitter. But was, is he gassed? How much blame do you put on Lampard in this one also? Yeah, I mean, to touch on the game here, um, shout out to Arrow, man, because his article that he had before the game came out, that was the lineup that I would have rolled out. Um, would have had Havertz starting, um, would have had Chilwell starting, um, would have had um, would have had uh, Tammy Abraham starting. A couple of things that I noticed here that that just kind of bothered me, uh, obviously, was the lack of offensive creativity on our end, um, like like Andrew had pointed out. But I mean, Giroud looked old, man. He looked like he was the ten man out there. Um, just, it, it didn't, it didn't look like the same guy that was a threat at, at the beginning of restart last year. Um, yeah. And he, you know, I mean, it's, it was a, it was a frustrating game because this game should have been put away. And I think with the creativity that, you know, arrows lineup had suggested with that article with Abraham at the top, Mount Havertz and Adoy. Kovacic and Jorginho as the pivot, that was correct. Um, Chilwell and as Aspie starting, and then Zuma and Tomori and Mindy and Gold. Um, I, that lineup, that lineup wins, and I think that, that lineup wins, you know, somewhere to the tune of three one, two one, whatever, um, which it should have been. Um, honestly, man, we should have walked away with the clean sheet, and I mean that um, because there's there's just you you that cross comes in. Um, nobody stops it before it happens, and you you run into the situation here of Emerson just left on an island, just on no man's land, just watching Lamella kick the ball in. I mean, he had he had gotten a he had gotten his foot on it to play Lamella on, and it goes in. Thanks, Emerson. Don't ever want to see you ever again on the pitch. Yeah, Adios, Lamella mofo. Had, Lamella had, Lamella yeah, took a touch. He had time to take a touch. Yeah, and, and like, we're just going to, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but the thing is, like, Emerson actually put his foot on the ball and could have done what any, you know, professional Premier League defender does, and that's just clear the goddamn thing out. I don't care if it's another corner. I don't care if it's a throw-in, but it sure as hell cannot go into that guy's feet for him to take a, a shot at it. Um, and of all people too, like that's the thing that kills me is like Lamella, really? Oh, God, you're gonna God. let that? Hate, yeah, you're gonna hate. hate yeah, Lamella. yeah. But I mean, yeah, it, it's just it, it's it's definitely one of those things. Um, a buddy of mine had told me like Cho reminded him of of Sturridge without the gambling problems. Oh, um, so, <laughs> so, wow. um, but no, I, I think going into Cho and, and Mount, absolutely they're young. We know that just by looking at their age, but. Um, but they're, I think they're, they're, they're two different guys really. Um, you know, Cho, I think just, you know, I, he's got a lot to learn, man. I don't know. I mean, and we won't pretend to know what his attitude is, um, in the locker room or whatever, or how he practices or whatever, but there's gotta be something there that, that Frank just doesn't feel comfortable letting the guy start even, a you know, e- even a, even a, a game against West Brom, for that matter. So, um, I, I wouldn't, 
I, I wouldn't pretend to know what that is. I know we've had a lengthy discussion as far as what his, you know, his emotional and mental maturity is like, but uh, putting himself in the situations that he probably shouldn't be in. But that's neither here nor there at this time. Um, you know, Cho definitely has something to learn. And I truly hope he finds it because I think that the talent, the, the talent's obviously there. Um, you know, with respect to Mal, kind of going back to what I said is, He's a hard worker, man. Uh, but hard workers need a break too, and I think it's I think it's imperative that at some point he sits mount down. And and if anybody's ever played any type of organized sports, sitting down isn't necessarily a bad thing uh, because you get to see the game from a different angle and it gives you a different perspective from it. Um, so I, I think it might do him some good in in a, in a sense that he might be able to have that opportunity to sit back and go okay, I'm watching somebody that's in my position. This is what I would do differently, or this is how I would prepare it differently. So those are things that I think with Mason Mount, I, I think it would be, at, at some point soon, I would think it would warrant him to, to perhaps maybe sit sit out a game, sit out a, sit out a couple of games. But I also feel like he is critical to the success of this team. He is... He is a cog in this engine that you know that we we definitely will need because he does offer that pressing ability, um, and he you know he he does he gives his effort, man, and and I think as a you know as anybody you know that's can appreciate it, it, it is is a guy that gives effort, you know, not somebody like Alonzo who's just going to be in it for himself. You know, you could definitely tell the guy wants to do a good job. Um, oh. Sometimes it's just not always there. Um, so yeah, I think. There's there's just absolutely no excuse why we lost that game. We shouldn't have even gone to shootout, but it is what it is, man, and we're out of the Carabao Cup. Yes, it's one less trophy we can win. Um, but, Corey, so I want you to analyze the game and also the same questions I asked to, to Mike. You know, uh, talk about Frank for me for a little bit and just how how confident... I mean, I'm not sure how to wear this. It's kind of essentially... Analyze the subs he made, like so obviously taking off Chilwell for Emerson and then leaving Mount on the whole game and not using Kai Havertz, who's right there. And as a 10, you know, Kai Havertz is one of the best in the world and will be. So not using him there. And so, you know, just analyze the game and then go into Frank's decisions for me. Yeah. Um, so I'll touch on the, the game. I was able to watch a little bit of it at work. Um, Bits and pieces when I was able to, I, um, on my break, I was able to watch the first half and I thought we played pretty well in the first half. I mean, like you said, mentioned the, the possession thing we, we always, some reason have great possession, but it, it, we looked, we looked dangerous. I mean, we looked good. I'm not going to lie. I mean, from what I saw having to see Ben Chilwell on the first 45, I thought the back four looked actually pretty well. I actually am okay with that back four. I like the fact that Tamori and Duma did well. Um, the pivot that we've seen with Jorginho and Kovic, which we saw last year a little bit, and then we see it this year at sometimes. Um, I thought they played okay. Obviously, I think Kovic just played better than Jorginho. Um, Timo, I'm so happy that he got a goal. Um, I'm glad that he got that weight off his shoulders. I think that means a little bit of a lot. I think Giroud let us down. Like Mike said, I think he looked old. Um, he showed his age against some, like, for a player like Jeff at Tanganga, I'm sorry, but for Giroud to not like at least know that he's going to be the weak link out of Dyer and out of Everald, you have to attack him, and I just feel like he didn't. I want to mention a picture that uh, our friend Travis at CFC Crossroads posted of that average player position. 
where you saw Timo, Mount, Bern, um, Timo, Mason, Callum, and Olivier all playing so centrally. Not a single player playing out wide. Even for like Callum, who is a natural winger, still playing average, averagely towards the middle, right behind the striker, at, at least a little bit. That's it, kind of concerning that everyone on the fan base wanted to have Cho come on and play wide, and yet he still plays more centrally. So I don't understand mm-hmm. that for me. Um, but second half, you we know Mourinho. We know how his tactics are. He likes to sit back. He likes to add on the pressure and then hit you on the counter. You had to know second half he was going to at least go hard, going crazy, trying to get a goal to, to get a draw or at least get a result. And fair play. I mean, fair play to that second half. He, he knows that he's going to come forward. I thought the game second half, from what I saw, screamed for Kai Havertz to come on. You know that the game was going to get open. You knew it was going to get it was going to be dangerous. But to take off, um, to take off Kovacic and bring on Ingolo Kante to sit with Jorginho, I find a little stupid. Um, I think Kovacic, being one of the better dribblers on the team, being able to play the ball out of dangerous positions rather than Jorginho. I find that that was kind of a little like extreme for me. I think that even though Mateo is on a yellow card, I still thought he deserved to play in the game and George Eugenio should have come off. I think having them play as a pivot would have been a lot better than having Conte Jorginho pivot and then still having Mason Mount out there who at the second half just looked like he was gassed. I mean, he looked, he was so tired. Yet he still plays 90 minutes the entire game. Every game we've played all season already, he's played every single minute. He's going to be ga- – how often, How much more can this guy play? You know what I mean? And then Ben Chilwell, I understand the Ben Chilwell one. I mean, I probably wouldn't have brought on Emerson. No offense. I would have at least brought Rison and swapped Aspie to left back. But, I mean, it is what it is. And Tammy came on. I thought Tammy played well um, for what he was able to do. It it just seemed like the game, I think, more or less screamed for Kai Havertz to come and play and at least be able to open it up and be more dangerous than I think Mount would have ever been in that game. I just, you know that he was going to press and try to get that goal. And then, you know, the mental lapse from fucking Emerson is just, uh, I don't even know what to fucking say. He's absolutely shit. I, I feel bad because I know typically Zuma would have cleared that out. And I think he saw that ball late. And he wasn't mm. able to. He's the best header we have on the team. Um, and I think in a normal situation, if he had saw that, we may not be talking about a, a 1-1 draw going into penalties. We might have just been talking about a clean sheet. Because I think when I watched that replay, he saw that ball coming in so late. And you can see he reacted late. So, I mean, it's just unfortunate that Emerson just is shitting the bed every time he plays. Uh, I liked that Mendy played. He looked good, but he had some instances where he looked, I think, a little nervous. Where he had a couple of balls that came in. He tried to claim, and then he either he dropped it or he missed it. But he plays well. I'm excited to see him uh, get another run out. Dude, Mendy did two things in that game that Kepa hasn't done in his entire career for Chelsea mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Like, he came out for one and actually caught it. And he, you know, he actually dived. He had a punch. <laughs> He, yeah, and a punch, and he actually dived. Yeah. Like, Kepa doesn't move. Like, Who would so, have thought? <laughs> but, you know, banter aside, Mendy, Mendy looks good for me. Yeah. You know, I know it's, it's very early, and he pinged the ball. I can't remember who it was. He pinged it, like, to someone's foot. 
It was like a good like forty yard kick from the goal. So I, I like that. Um, but yeah, man, I I still for some reason I can't get over the Frank Lampard stuff. I don't understand why Mason Mount didn't come off. I don't understand why he just didn't give Chilwell the full ninety minutes. Okay. You know, he's not 100% fit. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. You know, they know better than us. But, you know, you know Emerson's terrible. And you know Alonso's terrible. So you just, for me anyway, you, you just risk the extra 30 minutes. It's not that big of a deal. And you just see out the win. And you bring on Kai Havertz, who's a quality 10. And you know Mason's Mount, you know Mason Mount isn't up to scratch in that game. He's having a poor game. So you, I just don't get why... Mi- why Lampard didn't do the things that, you know, you look back and you're saying, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? But maybe it's just me being too harsh. I'm not sure, but it's, Lampard's showing a lot of tactical naivety to me right now. Yeah, I don't know I, how you guys feel about that. I, I, I would just want to say, I for for me, going into the beginning of last year, we signed, you know, Pulisic. Mount has played every game, and he's been, you know, average at best. So what's the difference with, with Pulisic coming in? And last year, he played a great Super Cup against Liverpool. And then for a good first chunk of the season, he doesn't play at all. Right. So where's the difference where Mason comes in from, you know, from Derby? And yeah, he was good at Derby, but you don't know if he's going to pan out in the Premier League. I mean, it, I mean, he still is still still young. So what's the difference between Pulisic and, 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 and Mason? You know, for me, I think, you know, now that we see Pulisic is, whether or not he grew into the, into the Premier League or not, he has shown that he is one of the brightest players we have. And at this moment, Mason is not showing the same quality. So where's the difference? You know what I mean? Is it just because he's English or because, because Frank already knows him? Like, I just, I just want to, I just want, I just have questions. I have answers that need to be fulfilled. No, I fully get that. I fully get that. And to touch on what you said about the beginning of last season too, um, Olivier Giroud played in the Super Cup and was class. And then he doesn't play a single game until... January, February. Yeah. And Mitchy Bachuai is your backup striker when Tammy's not performing. And Mitchy Bachuai does fuck all. And then Olivier Giroud proves to you he can win you games and score you goals and secure your top spot. So in the games that you're not winning at the beginning of the season, say, for example, Giroud comes in on those games, we probably win those. So it's kind of a catch-22, obviously, like Andrew said earlier, hindsight's great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's... The, the fan base is, has every right, in my opinion, to question Frank Lampard. And by all means, listeners, we are not, no, 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 we are not Frank Lampard out. Not at all. I love the guy. He is my idol growing up, favorite Chelsea player. But I do, we, we, we have, you know, a player isn't a coach. It's, there's two different things. You know, Jose Mourinho was, he admits he was a shit keeper, a shit player, but he's one of the best, pe- like, coaches of all time. So, the parallel just sometimes doesn't work out, but hopefully he turns it around. Um, you know, a little Chelsea news for the listeners in case, I'm sure they all know, but just in case you didn't, the Champions League draw today was today. Uh, and Chelsea were joining Group E alongside Sevilla, Ren, and, oh God, I'm going to butcher this name. I think it's Krasnodar from Russia, if someone can pronounce it better than me, by all means. Um, so how are you feeling about the group, lads? Uh, you know, for me, I like it. You know, I'm not sleeping on Sevilla, or Sevilla, sorry, because I know they're a good side and they just won the Europa League. Uh, but I'm confident in our abilities and we should finish top. I mean, we really, really should be finishing top in that group. Andrew, do you think we should be too? Or, you know, how do you think there's any dark horses in that team we should, in the group we should be worried about? 
No, um, we we should absolutely top that group. I, I said something to that effect um, earlier this morning. Once I kind of let the dust settle on on the uh, on the draw, uh, especially when you compare ourselves. Obviously, City. Uh, I mean, like clockwork, they'll get a great draw every season. They, they won't do anything with it. Um, so it, I don't feel salty over that. But you look at United's group, and I'd say, okay, you know, maybe that's a group that we'd have to bait expectations in. And I would still be disappointed if we didn't make it out of United's group uh, with PSG and Leipzig. Um, Sevilla's a great side. They were, a, they were a great side in the Europa League last season, but they were a great side in the Europa League last season. Um, as a pot one draw, I think they're, I think it would have been either them or Zenit that I'd, uh, I'd have preferred to have gotten. And I, I personally don't think that we should drop a point home or away to Krasnodar or Ren. Um, I know a couple of people were talking about, well, you know, if you don't follow Liga, uh, you wouldn't know that Ren is actually top of the table right now. Uh, most goals scored. Um, Kamavinga is, I mean, I have not been, I have not been as excited about a player as I have been watching him towards the the waning moments of last season and and yeah, going into this season. He is absolutely brilliant. It's like uh, sixteen, so, right? Sixteen. Yeah, 17? yeah, exactly. Huh. And he he has so much poise on the ball. I mean, I, I'm not saying that he's better than Kylian Mbappe, but watching him, I got more excited than I did when I first started watching Kylian Mbappe because it's cool. it's not just this blistering pace. It's this. It's all. It's almost like he has this. Kovacic, Neymar type of, you know, he'll do a roulette turn, but he keeps this ball on a string. He's tough to move off the ball as well. Um, and he's got a lot of vision and poise. So anyways, two, two legs home and away um, to be able to watch him will be wonderful. I hope that Abramovich uh, has his interest peaked by performance. But at the okay. end of the day, no, we... We we can't drop points to either Krasnodar or Ren. And sorry, I can't speculate on Krasnodar. I don't know anything about the side at all, um, besides being a Russian side. And I, I genuinely think we could we could easily take four points from Sevilla as well. We should with a fully fit squad. No, absolutely. We you know you have to go beat them at home and absolutely draw our way at the at the very least. So mm-hmm. I can see you there, um, Mike. What was your initial reactions on the draw, my friend? And you know. You're in agreement that we should be absolutely dominating this group. Oh man, I mean, out of all the out of all the crap results that we've gotten from games, I'm glad that we at least got this to smile at. Yeah. Um, no man, I I have full confidence that we we should finish at the top. Um, in a fully fit squad, we shouldn't drop any games at all, um, whatsoever in this in this in this group stage, unless somehow we've got it in the bag and we're just like, okay, that's fine, let's just. You know, play play some gu- play some guys in an, in an effort to mitigate, but uh, any injuries or anything like that. But I, I think it's one of those situations here that um, we've we've got arguably like, I mean, we don't have like Saudi Prince money to to get into the group that Man City got into, but <laughs> uh, because my God, good luck trying to figure out who's gonna who's gonna emerge as the second team out of that group. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's one of those things, man, that we, we have a very favorable draw and it's imperative that we come out, we handle, we handle our business, um, and we come out on top 
and we get into the knockout stage with another favorable uh, opponent that we we should beat. But, you know, with all things being considered here, um, with injuries not being a factor, we should be able to compete and we should be able to advance again. Um, and this is this is what I'm super looking forward to, super super positive about is that this is a great draw for us. Let's not botch it. Let's let's get to let's get to a favorable knockout stage and let's see what happens after that. Let's see where the, when the dust settles. Let's see what what teams are remaining and hopefully, man, we 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 might be able to work our way into you know something that's a uh, a bit sweeter, like a like a Champions League title. So that's <laughs> man, I, no, but here's a but here's a no, but here's the thing though, and and. All things being equal here, no injuries on our team. We've got a damn good team, and there's no, no on, reason. On paper, on paper, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's stupid. Yeah, no, it, it's it's we have a team that we should compete. We should compete. We should be in that conversation with, you know, the Liverpools and even the Byrons for that matter. Um, when when we when, if we're firing on all cylinders and our team is on on the same on the same pitch with the other guys we've got we've man we could do it and we should be able to do it um but i i you know we'll we'll see how it plays out man who knows i mean strange shit's happened you know uh with with respect to you know 2012 so i'll uh i'll see what happens i'll you know we'll like any like any fan like any spectator we'll just you know watch the games and see what happens that was a very good point on on depth and in terms of on paper teams, you know we have a strong fucking team. And I know they're young; they still haven't reached their full potential, but it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Um, and I know you just mentioned Bayern real quick. They, they are linked with potentially buying Tarek Lamptey. I don't know if anyone's seen that. <laughs> yeah. If they get Tarek Lamptey, man, I I might cry. Where are they um, going to put him? But where right are they going to put him? Yeah, uh, are they? I mean, I yeah, they, I will they need yeah. Him. But I I would pretend to know. Like he he does he walk on that team and and yes. play right back for them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Who's their right movies? back? Is it isn't it Pavard? Is their yeah. starting right back? Yeah, yeah. Kimmich plays DM now. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I, I would say that Lampy is clear. Yeah. So Kimmich last year played right back, right? Both. No, he was DM. He was DM. He, plays, slash he can play both. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, for some reason I I always saw him whipping shit in on the right side, um, but not to say that he's you know he's a defensive stalwart in his own right. But yeah, no, I I I think the world of Lamptey, man, um, and wow. in that in that particular league, I think he's. I I just can't imagine yeah, just him yeah. him him and Alfonso Davies as your fullbacks. Yeah, and because of those, you got pace. Sane and Nabry. Oh my! Oh my god. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to think about it. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. By the way, Corey, back to Chelsea. The the Champions League draw. Yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. Um. It's 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 semi comfortable. I mean, obviously Sevilla is. You know, I believe Andrew said that they. You know, they won the Europa League. Um. And uh, Camavinga looks so dangerous. I'm I'm actually semi nervous for that that game because I am not sure what we're gonna see. If the way Chelsea's been playing lately, I I'm nervous. Um, My dog calls too. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's it's home and away games. It if we get fans back in, I think if everything is okay with the way COVID's been, um, 
I think if we can get some home fans in there and, and maybe that plays to our advantage a little bit. Um, cause I mean, we got some great home atmosphere, uh, and those fans really do turn up for, for Chelsea home games at the bridge. But I think it's, I think it's favorable. I think it's favorable for us. I think I wouldn't say we completely walk everybody. I, I, I don't know how it's going to play out the rest of the year, I, you know, bearing all, like, you know, injuries to all the guys and stuff. If like Mike said, pen on paper, we have one of the not most dangerous teams ever that we've probably seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it makes you excited. You know, it's unfortunate that we have injuries right now, but God, I mean, I feel bad for some of these, like these teams. And when you get back to full strength and you start seeing Pulisic, you know, Kai Werner and, and ZH up front, man, it's definitely scary for a back four or a back five. I can tell you that for sure. I mean, but I, I think it's a good. I think it's a good draw. I mean, not like obviously it's not as good as Manchester City's draw, which is a fucking joke. Um, but yeah, I think I'm I'm comfortable. But I'm not I'm not like 100 percent set on that. We're gonna like, you know, go undefeated all games. But it does look in our favor a little bit. Yeah, I mean, as undefeated, I mean, we should. I'll say it. I mean, yeah. I know Mike and Andrew said we should. I mean, we we shouldn't be losing to any of those teams. Let's be real. Yeah, I agree. But you know how it is. <laughs> try to be positive for once. Kind of I try. So, you know. um, so we've got Crystal Palace next um, on Saturday, 7.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Palace are tricky for us. They always are tricky, tricky. You know, recent times, Roy Hodgson has got the better of us. Um, we, If we remember last year, we scraped a 3-2 win thanks to that Zuma tackle right at the depth. Uh, at the depth, at the death, sorry. And so, yeah, you know, I'm not, from what I'm told, Palace do have some injury concerns at the back. Um, so that could play as advantage to us. You know, Lampard hasn't ruled out Pulisic and Ziyech coming in. You know, we'll find out tomorrow morning uh, with his press conference what, you know, if he, if they're going to feature. But, you know, they have been called up to their to their national sides and Andrew will know better than me, you know. If I'm not mistaken, Christian Pulisic on his Twitch said that he's ready to go. Andrew, he did. Yeah, he. Um, it was kind of shades of, of last season. I think it was a little bit less um, heavy-handed than you, you know. Last season, it seems like he went out of his way to bring that up. I know on his Twitch stream, he was kind of uh, not really fielding too many football questions because I mean sure. that was he was getting hammered by him in, in his chat, but. Uh, he it did seem like he made a point to say, yeah, I'm feeling. Let's just say I'm feeling really good. Um, but again, it's it's like what Mike was saying. So if it's not a hundred percent, we should still be able to beat Crystal Palace without Christian Pulisic. Yes. Um, sure. So I'm I if it's not a but I'll never be able to benchmark that right. Um, so he would know best. I'd I'd like to think that Lampard would know best. Um, but everything that he gave uh, on the Twitch stream indicated it sounded like he's uh, back to prime fitness. Sure. So if we take that, you know, if we take that in a nutshell, you know, say we say Pulisic might be fit. Uh, he he thinks he's fit. But in my opinion, if I have to give one, um, I do think Christian Pulisic and Hakim Ziyech do not play. Um, I think they're going to be given the international break just to get some more work in. You know, the internationals are next week. So there's more time for them to recuperate and get fit with the training stuff. So I don't think they feature. Um, but even so, like Andrew said, we should be beating Palace. Um, I want to say comfortably, man. We should be beating the team. Um, 
these are these are the types of games that you have to win and and show something now. So for me, for Palace, I need to see a lot of improvement. I need to see attacking flair. I need to see creativity. I don't want to see us just passing left, right, left, right, left, right, and back, back, back. I no, I need to see some attacking football. I need to see something that resembles Frank's system of whatever he's trying to implement, whether it's high press, I need to see the team pressing for 90 minutes. You know, I know it's not going to be instant and I know it's not going to, you know, it's going to take time, but I need to see more of it because I haven't seen it at all this season so far. Um, but yeah, we should be winning that game. Mike, what, you know, talk to me about Palace and your predictions for this game. Yeah, absolutely. We should win this game. Um, you know, um, but yeah, I, I don't see, I don't see Pulisic starting either. As, as much as I would love for that to happen, um, that would give me, you know, that that just be the cherry on the top for waking up, you know, early in the morning to watch a to watch a Crystal Palace game. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it's um, it it. I think there, there's no reason why we can't we can't win this game. There there, there really isn't. Um, and we say this right now, and I'm not a superstitious guy, but I will knock on some wood. There's really no reason why we shouldn't win this game. Um, we need something to feel good about, and I think that this. Uh, I don't know what Frank. You know, obviously we're not privy to the 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 private conversations he has with players. We don't we're not privy to you know what they're actually doing in practice. You know, for the full duration, things like that. But I would imagine Frank is he's got to be chomping at the bit to get out there and and you know at least prove to the fans and prove to. To Roman, prove to you know everybody that's that's being critical of him, and and rightfully so, that no everything is okay. Do not worry. Um, so, I'm I'm a, I'm anticipating a a pretty decisive victory in this respect. But um, like like I told you guys the other day, I'm I'm definitely that dog that's sitting in that burning house saying this is fine. So. <laughs> yes. Um, um, yeah, I, I'm gonna always look at it like that, and and it, I mean, in this respect, I can't help but look at it like this. Yeah, they have some players that that do offer a threat, no question about it. But um, I'm looking at Reese. Let's let's get uh, let's get him to put Zaha in his back pocket again, man. True that. True that. And you know, I'm not sure who they're gonna play up. Front, you know, I know Mitchie Batchelai cannot play because of the loan. Um, but yeah, let's see. Um, if for shits and giggles, give me, give me a scoreline. For uh, I, I'll give it to you two nil. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I've got, uh, I've got Timo on a penalty, and I've got Kai uh, getting another, another goal. Okay. Okay. So Corey, I'll come to you next. Predictions for for Palace and just what you'd like to see. Um. Yeah. Um. You know me. I'm. I'm. I'm typically the 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 downer of the our, of our group. Um. For some You're reason, man. Yeah. Always. Um. Just like twins. I'm telling you. Um. I freaking Zaha, man. He he typically turns up when he plays against us. I don't know what the hell he does, but I believe last year towards the end he freaking he scored that one fucking screamer, and. He never really yep. scores against us, but he he fucking just shows Mendy up. We got Mendy now, so we're not scoring. Oh, no one's scoring those long ones. I swear to God, if he scores another fucking long one, it's <laughs> it's there's a fucking issue. Um, <laughs> I I I have this one a little bit tighter. I think I think 
I can't. I don't know where. I'll have to wait in the morning. I'll have to see what Frank says about uh, injuries and whatnot. But if I can see Ben Chilwell getting 90 minutes, I'll feel a little bit more comfortable. If mm. I see him get taken out half t- after halftime and we see fucking Alonzo or Emerson, I might shoot myself in the foot. Like, I honestly, <laughs> I can't take it. I, I get it. He wants to make sure he's 100% fit. But if he is anywhere close to being fit, I would honestly have him play rather than seeing Marcus Alonso or Emerson out there. I'm I'm sorry, just rather I'd rather see it. Um I think this one's gonna be a little tighter. Uh, I would like to see Kai not play on the right wing. Uh I think this lineup it needs to be a four two three one. Um I wanna see Conte and Colville play in a pivot. I wanna see Kai play a ten. I wanna see Cho out there and I'll I'll let Mount play. Maybe maybe not. Maybe I'll have Timo play if he's fit. If he's fit, I know that leg is that cramp. I don't know how he's really feeling. We'll have to see him, like I said, in the morning. And then if he's not fit, play if he's fit, play him on the left and then start Tammy up front. I mean, get the guy some games out there. Um, he'll he can cause some some dangerous opportunities um, against that Palace back line that has some injuries um, on their hand right now. For sure. Um, what's your score line? Uh, I'm going to go 2-1. We're going to score. I think it's going to be a, a score late. Second half late. I think it's going to be um, – they might They might score first, honestly. I don't know who's going to start oh, the back gosh. four. Okay. I if just, that happens. I, yeah. Um, I think it's going to be tight. I think we're going to we're gonna control possession like we do, and something will happen as, as it has already before. I feel it in my bones. Um, <laughs> 2-1. Yeah, I'm going to go with – I like – Mike's obviously, I think, like Timo scoring, and I think we might get a late Tammy, late Tammy goal. Okay, okay, fair enough. And Andrew, so what you'd like to see for for Palace and your scoreline, please? Um, I I do think there are threats on Palace that aren't just Wolf Zaha. Um, there's that that young kid Eberechi. I think it's Etsy. Um, Easy E. I, I watched yep, yep. him. Yeah, he he's been stellar um, for for Palace's first few matches. So I, I'm anxious. I, I'm a little cynical, thinking that we'll keep a clean sheet, but we've got to do it at some point um, against a side that's not Barnsley. Um, so so maybe, but yeah, like like Corey said, I think the four two three one. I think the the Conte Kova pivot. Um, regardless of you know wingers that are coming back, etc., that is that is who I want to see anchoring the midfield. Um, and then, yeah, it, it's tough because if, if the Timo knock is serious, I, I don't think I, I think we do have to rotate Mount uh, now. I I do think that what we saw against Spurs was a um, an indication of burnout, and I also think that. Just from a confidence standpoint, I'm sure he's not blinded to, to what people are saying on social media. You know, Frank Frank put him in that position. Kai Havertz could have been taking a penalty in, in the Spurs match as well. Uh, so I don't know who you put at left wing. Well, I guess if you don't have someone to occupy either wing, you might as well play Hudson-Odoi on his, on his natural side on the left. Um but no, I, I don't think we should play Kai Havertz at right wing. So, so yeah, whoever plays that second winger um, is kind of up in the air for me. And I, I do think it would be great to have Tammy 
play as a nine and Kai as a 10, just with the chemistry that we saw against Barnsley uh, with the defensive injuries that Palace has. I think that'll be a a great opportunity for them to kind of uh, refine that, that interplay and, and get to that same level of fluidity because I don't think Barnsley was horrendous defensively, but it was definitely um, a trial for them. You know, it wasn't playing against cones, but they were they were playing on professional difficulty in FIFA or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to see I would love to see Tammy down the middle. I would love to see a four two three one same pivot. Um, I don't like Jorginho in that pivot in this match, considering the pace that um, the Palace have up top. I, I really and I I thought that Kovas actually had some phenomenal defensive contributions in the last couple of games, including Barnsley. He, he bailed us out a few times. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a no-brainer in goal with Mendy as well. And I do think that we win 3-1, and I don't think we keep a clean sheet. Sure, and who are your goal scorers for us? I think Tammy will get one. I, I think that we're at the juncture of the season where we're going to see something similar to how Tammy started the season last season. Okay, Maybe not necessarily that. Wolves hat trick, but he, he's looked sharp enough um, in, in the instances that he's played. Uh, he, he looks hungry. So I definitely think um, he'll be a more composed version of that. So I think Tammy at least gets one. I would love to see. Hudson Adoy get another one just to make things even trickier um, on Frank because you know I, I don't think we can muddle his thoughts on the lineup any more than they already are, and um, I could see Reese James getting another as well. Oddly enough, um, okay. I think he, he's been poor defensively in the last couple of matches, but he's definitely trying to contribute. I just I I would say Mason Mount would get a goal in this match. I just I. I think it would be ridiculous to play him right now, especially going into an international break where maybe Southgate will give him a little bit of rest and some limited cameos as well. I don't know if he got an England gap for this break as well, but, um, but yeah, that that's, that's where I'm at. I don't think that we're going to sort a lot of questions out, but I think that we'll probably have a resounding win if, if three, one is resounding, I guess. Sure. Uh, I've got two know myself, and I hate to say it, but I do think Mason Mount's going to play. I do think he starts as much as it, I just think it's just stupid to do so. I do think he plays. Um, I've got two nil, like I said. I've got Werner, and I've also got Mason Mount scoring as well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to see Mason Mount play because I just don't like him as a winger for one, and I think he needs to he needs to be rested. Um, but that, that does it for the topics for today. And now we're going to go on to some Twitter questions from our lovely followers. Um, so the first question from our Twitter follower, uh, Tolu at uh, TVLU underscore AD. Uh, he asks us, uh, Werner as a lone striker or left wing? And for me, it all depends on personnel, right? You know, if Pulisic is out, then left wing makes a lot of sense. Um, and like I just said, I cannot have Mason Mount on the wing ever again. No disrespect to Mount, but he's just not good in that position. As an eight, he's perfect, but on the wing, he just gets lost. Um, so, so Mike, you in agreement there? It all depends on personnel. It does depend on personnel, but if you put a gun to my head, striker. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, without question, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna default to what he's good at, which is just right down the center. And yeah, good luck trying to catch that guy. Crazy pace, and Corey. Yeah, um, actually, I like him both, but I prefer him to play uh, in a double striker. I prefer to play him in a four four two. I think he he does better there. I, I mentioned the RB Leipzig thing. Me and Aro talk about it. All the time, I think he suits playing with someone who holds the ball up for him to lay the ball off so he can use that that pace he's got. Man, he's so quick. Um, I think he suits better playing with two strikers than he does playing on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has shown that he can play left wing and play solo striker. So um, out of the, the two options, he, he, he definitely plays striker for me. So to touch on what you just said, yep. I, the reason I was so excited when I saw the lineup against Tottenham, is exactly what you just said. Because Paulson and Werner, I was expecting a better version of that with Giroud and right. Werner. And I've been saying it all along. Giroud, for me, is one of the best target men in football. Yep. His link-up player is unreal. So that's what I was kind of expecting. But, you know, it just didn't work out. Nope. Uh, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Corey that... Um that him playing off the shoulder of a target man, especially considering that we, we have two that are very sufficient in Abraham and Giroux um, as that kind of physical target man that's play off of. I hated um, playing Kai as a supporting striker, even though I understand that there would probably be a lot more, especially in the, the early stages of the season, chemistries between Timo and, and Kai up there. Uh, but at the same time, I, I would disagree in that I, I've, I've the the performances that Timo has had on the left wing. Um, I also think about Liverpool, whether or not we were actually set up with him as a left winger, if he was just kind of r- running through that channel. Sure, he was he was clear of uh, of Trent uh, many many times, uh, but he um, he wasn't dangerous once he was clear and had the ball at his feet a couple times against Fabinho he decided to knock the ball on a little bit further wide and kind of kill the angle and it was just easy for him to get snuffed out so I I would say in a hierarchy as a second striker um, getting 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 those flicks on uh, I think that's a the most organic role for him individually but I also will die by a four, two, three, one system. Um, so unless, you know, you're going to have Kai and Timo and Kai will be less of a 10 and more of a second striker. Um, it, I don't think it's as good for the team on a whole. And then I would say the second would be um, him playing as a lone striker in a four, two, three, one, but left wing I've been unimpressed with. I know he absolutely has the capacity to do it. I am, far more comfortable playing Timo Werner as a left winger as opposed to Kai Havertz at right wing, for now at least. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Completely, completely agree with that last statement they just made. Um, the next question comes from uh, at the Chelsea pod. Um, these guys have supported our podcast so much, people. So I want to give so much love to, to Nick. And uh, I think it's, oh shit, this is going to be bad. Uh, Nick and Jack, the two, the two co-hosts, and the co-host and the host, sorry. For, for the Chelsea pod, check them out. They're great peoples. Um, but their question asks us, is the best way to get the most out of both Havertz and Mount to play a 
So he didn't have to play one of them wide. Um, for me, the question is straight up, yeah. Um, play them in a 4-3-3, play them both as 8s if you have to, or play Mount as an 8 and just push Kai further up. I don't want to see either of them out wide, ever. I stated that just now, a little bit before. You know, I know Kai can play as a winger, but I just don't want him to do that. You're taking away something when you play him out wide. And the same for Mason Mount. You know, he, he's great as an 8. And you put him out wide, you're taking away his link-up play, his pressing, his ability in the middle of the pitch. So for me, definitely 4-3-3. Don't, don't have to play them out wide. Um, Andrew, I'll start with you. Yeah, with um, with the fitness issues and, and burnout, I, I do like a 4-3-3 with two eights. And I know everyone always gets cheeky with those lineup generators and they offset the entire midfield three in three different tiers with Havertz, you know, highest up in that sort of ladder that um, uh, of the midfield three. Uh, the only dilemma for me with that setup is you have two extremely fit and inconsistent form players between N'Golo Kante and Mateo Kovacic. Um, unless we have Kovacic playing as that second eight instead of Mount, which is totally feasible with, uh, you know, how, how much he's been playing recently. Um, you're, you're omitting arguably two of our most world-class, at least currently, um, players on the side. So I do, I do love a 4-3-3. We still have to figure out the, the winger dilemma. Um, whoever would play, I think Cho is nailed on for right now. Out wide, and whether we move Timo at left wing if Timo's fit, but, but uh, yeah, the, I, the toughest part for a four three three for me is going to be you know I I don't think you play Kova in the middle um, behind the two eights just because Conte just he you know he's he's world class at, at what he does, but it is so tough for me to um, to omit Kova to accommodate Mount in an eight, but yes. Mount Mount is an eight, I assume. Um, he's definitely not a left winger. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. Corey, same question for you. You you play four three three to fit for both of the men, or are you okay sacrificing one of the wing? Uh, yeah, I, we've alluded to this, I believe, in uh, our previews before the season, that mm-hmm. we all agreed that to accommodate for Kai. Well, at that time, before Kai came in, that if they, Kai came in, we agreed that 4-3-3 with two, two eights and a six, we all agreed that Mount and Kai would be the guys that you'd want playing in the eights. So for me, if they both are able and were like pen on paper that Ziyech and Pulisic are fit to play the wings, then yes, I would 100% be A-OK playing Mount, Havertz in eights, Kante playing a six. That being said, if we play four two three one, I don't see where Mount doesn't play at this point. Mm. Like Mount's gonna play every single game. If Frank can fit him in somewhere, he's gonna put him in. Um, so yeah, I think we have a a lot of flexibility. Uh, like Andrew said, I, I'm not I'm not willing in a pivot in a four two three one to sacrifice Kovacic for Mount. I think Kovacic is the better player. I think we all would agree with that. Um, but yeah, if yeah, if you need to get the best out of both of them, four three three, they both play in eights, and Conte plays in a six. One hundred percent agree. Yep. Mike and Mike to finish up. 
No, uh, cosine. All the points above, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine what that would look like in the the fallout of playing those guys wide would look like in this respect here because of the, the similarities that they offer. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think that makes the most sense. But, you know, with a healthy squad, I have some other ideas what, what, that, what that lineup should really look like. But, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you guys on that. Sure. Um, the next question comes from Consistent SP. Um, it kind of piggybacks, well, it literally does piggyback off the question that I was just asked. Um, and he asks us, what formation suits this team the best? And for me, I'm going to go with Andrews on this as well. Big proponents of the 4-2-3-1. It just makes so much sense to fit the best players in their best positions. Um, you've got four at the back, you know, two fullbacks that are naturally right and left backs. You've got a DM in, in Kante who plays alongside somebody like Kovacic. Mm. A 10 in Havertz, two wingers, Pulisic, Zik, and a lone striker in Timo Werner. So it just makes too much sense for me. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, uh, four, yeah, four, four, two, three, one. Um, I think it's um, in in this respect here. I think you go, you go, Reese, you go, um, Tiago, you go, Zuma, you go, um, Chilwell, you go, Conte, you go, Billy G, when healthy. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and and here's the thing, man. I uh, don't get me wrong. I've support the hell out of Kova, man. I think he's. He's a he's a hell of a servant, but I think that that particular combination works really well, um, especially if we don't go and make that move for Declan Rice. I think Billy G's up for the job, and yeah, absolutely. You stick you stick Havertz in the middle there with Ziek and uh, Pulisic in the uh, on the wings there, and you've got yeah Timo on the top. Man, that that's a uh, that's that's a that's a recipe for getting your ass kicked um, day in and day out for for the other team, um, and I can't imagine why we wouldn't do that. And of course, you've got Mindy and Goal. Um, by the way, I really like that dude. <laughs> uh, we wait, I was waiting for some like some just waiting for you to be able to say that at some point in this point. But uh, to, to piggyback on what you just said on Billy G and content, yeah. I mean, I, I like it. Don't get me wrong, but that's two small guys, man, in the middle of the pitch. If you just put on someone who's oh, like man. six five, is a wrap. They're, they're oh. not getting the ball off that guy. No, they're not. But um, I, I've seen enough from from Gilmore. Granted, I, I need to see more. And I, I and I touched on this in one of our group chats. Is man, like there's been some there's been some instances where I'm like, damn, man, he's he's a little bit small. But there's there's times where I'm like, you know what? That that does that that only matters on paper because the guy is a scrappy dude and he's he's willing to fight and and he's nasty man and and you need that in a guy that's gonna you know that's gonna basically play the pivot you know opposite of of Conte which is and I forget who said this man but it it was it, it really put it, it it perfectly in words it's like he's the ultimate like seek and destroy midfielder. Um, when he's playing that, when he's playing in that, that, that attacking third where he can just go and get the ball and, and basically keep us from, you know, having any defensive lapses. Like I, I think those two guys, that's a hell of a partnership in my respect, uh, at least in 
what I think. Um, don't get me wrong. Um, COVID, Conte's fine. Um, I don't have any real complaints there other than some instances where I'm a little worried that COVID doesn't offer us anything besides dribbling and being press resistant in certain instances. I can see that. I can uh, see that. I can definitely see that. Where Billy's just like, you know what, man, bring it. And he's and he's tough, man. He's a tough kid. And he is a kid. And that's that to me just really it, it really kind of piques my interest. I want to see more of that partnership when he's healthy. Okay. Well, and if, well, if stature is oh sorry, no, and I was just gonna say if stature is an argument and I, I know this this wasn't a four two three one pivot, I believe, last season, but I mean Billy Gilmore absolutely bodied Fabinho, who was one That's of the true. gangliest oh, yeah. dudes in the world for uh for a good part of ninety minutes last season when we played uh I think it was in the Carabao Cup as well against Liverpool. So yeah, I mean I I told I absolutely adore Billy Gilmore. I I do there are a few players that I try to get overly sensationalized about but you know i i would be the first to say billy gilmore does have shades of sesk fabregas or juan mata he's such an intelligent player so yeah with with the cover that that conte would provide i think he has the time to take a breath and, and pick those passes i think he'd be wonderful I can see that, and, and, and andrew actually i was actually going to come to you next so please continue the, the best formation for this for this team yeah, I, there is, you know, one true formation, and it's the four-two-three-one, and it's exactly how you set it up, Kamal, as well. Um, uh, I, I would say Mike's uh, pivot with with Gilmore in lieu of Kova is uh, really interesting, and I would, if I saw our four-two-three-one that we've basically, you know, galvanized and and written in stone, but you swap Kova for Gilmore. Um, I'd be excited to see that lineup. That is not one of those lineups I'd look at and be like, oh, this, we're, we're, uh, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Um, and yeah, it's funny. I, I don't think many scenarios warrant a, a deviation from a 4-2-3-1. I don't think that there's a side that sets up so tactically um, anomalously to the point where we'd need to really pivot a formation that's known for its balance that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say you're right. the four three three was super interesting because I'm, I'll be the last person to to deny a four two three one. And I, I was thinking about how do you how do you simplify the logic of in our current context with injuries and fitness going into Palace? How do you simplify what the logic is behind a four three three? And it's basically weighing. Is it more important for us to accommodate Mount playing in a natural position or Kai being the center of our offense as a 10? That's a great question. Because I think that Kai as a 10 brings, you know, we saw it against Barnsley, and I know it's Barnsley, but boy, I mean, he was absolutely stellar. And on top of that, sorry, yeah. I didn't catch up. On top no, of that, you ahead. don't invest 80 million pounds on a player to not play him in his best position, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, that, that's exactly right. So, you know, I I would love to be able to find a system that accommodates Mason Mount in in his uh, most suited capacity. But at the end of the day, you you have a system in a four two three one that accommodates all of our best players, and we know who our best players are. 
you know, you can you can debate your name about a center back pairing, <laughs> but when you look when you look at the front five, it it's clear as day. And everyone, I think Mike in in the entirety of this season, that was the first time when we talked about a pivot to behind a, a three and a one um, that I've heard anything other than Werner, Kulisic, Kai, Ziyech with Kova and Conte behind it. So, yeah, I think everyone knows, you know, what, what their vision is of the, uh, you know, the, the best looking front setup. And I just think that the four, two, three, one accommodates it so well. And I think it's a versatile enough system and I think you can make one substitution to be able to tweak that to a four-three-three because we have a lot of players that can play as an eight or as a narrow winger or as a ten and as an eight. Um, you know, whether you look at Kai or Mount um, and Timo being able to move um, between a wide position and striker, but it's always got to be by default four-two-three-one for me. Yeah, completely agree. And Corey, what's your what's your feelings on the formation that best suits our team? Yeah, um, I'm four two three one. I've agreed with Andrew with this before. I think in our and in our talks before. I think this is something that it's my personal formation, favorite formation. I've mentioned that before on the podcast. It, it brings fluidity into the team. Me and Marv were talking together before in our our actual group chat that having the pair of in the Conte winning season of Conte and Matic was almost near impossible to beat. Um, Conte is better suited to play in a pivot. Um, it allows him freedom to track back and let one of those midfielders in the pivot go more forward um, and be the creative outlet rather than Conte being the creative outlet, as we've seen in the Sari system playing in an eight where he doesn't really suit that being um, a typical like DM. Um, so for me, a you know, four, two, three, one, it's my favorite pairing at the moment would be with Kovacic. Um, he's, I mean, yeah, like Mike said, he's he. I don't know how much more he really offers other than being press resistant and a dribbler. He does pass a ping a ball pretty well, um, but at the moment, other than possibly the potential of signing Declan Rice, I don't really see where who else plays next to him because Mount doesn't really offer much defensively tracking back. I don't think, and having like someone like like you said, Kamal, like having putting someone six five in a in a midfield with two smaller guys. It, kind of just like hurts you know what i mean to have small mm-hmm. like no height where rice would offer height in that in that side unless you know you really wanted to use like ethan ampadu for example who i think is at least six at least six foot um but yeah four two three one it, it's for me i love mason mount mason mount is one of the best youth players we've ever had but like you mentioned you don't sign kai Havertz for almost 100 million to not play him in his preferred position, but to make sure you play Mason Mount, who offers almost in every game absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's kind of deep, but yeah, I get you. I mean, you know what Mason I mean? Mount, yeah, no, I see what you're, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. You know, Mason Mason does something that Frank loves, and that is try, 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 try. And Frank Lampard loves effort more than anything else. And you know, but I I, I won't. I, I do like Mason in the sense that. He can ping a goal in here and there. You know, that goal against West Brom was class. Um, yep. So he, he does have that ability and he's working on it. And he, he'll get there in a couple of years for sure. He's, there's no way he's not in his prime. So he, he has, he reminds me of a young Frank in many ways. And I hate comparing, I hate doing it. But stats wise, their games were very similar at this point. 
Um, the next question comes from our main man at the WWC is Alf Alfredo. Um, he asks us what our best back four is this season. Um, and I think we already answered on the Twitter, but we're going to answer on the pod too. Uh, for me, it's Reese, Tiago Silva, Zuma, and Chilwell. Uh, Corey, you can go. Yeah, uh, not much more to say. I 100% agree with that back four. That's my favorite back four. I've mentioned that in our group chats, and I might have mentioned on this pod before that that's my preferred back four. Um, even now with Mendy, you have Silva, who also speaks French. You have uh, Mendy, who speaks French and English. You have Zuma, who speaks French, English. And then you have, obviously, you would have Ben Chilwell, and then you also have Reese. It, it's the best back four we have. I think they all offer, other than, obviously, Mendy, he offers, you know, being a goalkeeper. But the back four, they offer the most that we have at the moment. Yep, Ryan, I'm Mike. No, I, I think that's 100% what I would go with. Um, to quote Sadiq, 100%. And <laughs> <laughs> Andrew? Yeah, no, uh, that's the best back four. I, I would say Tamori has given us a little bit to think about. Um, we, oh, we've only Tamori. seen one one big cameo from Tiago Silva, and um, yeah, I, and, and I think Corey said it as well. It, it wasn't a great back pass from Kova, um, but at the same time, like one performance, one error leading to a goal was tough. I don't think that we should drop Tiago Silva over that, but it does right. give you something. I thought Tamori did very well against Liverpool last season, and I know we didn't pick up a lot of wins against Liverpool, but I think the same League Cup match where um, where Billy Gilmore pocketed Fabinho, uh, Tamori did such a phenomenal job of covering wide if we got caught out um, with Mo Salah. And, and he put in some amazing tackles on Mo Salah last season, who is an incredibly pacey player. So I think he offers something else, but that center back pairing with Thiago Silva and Zuma is a no brainer. Yeah, no doubt. I, I love Tomori because, you know, he gives everything as well and he's young, but he's so fast. He's so underrated <laughs> in terms of how pacey he is. He's so quick. Exactly. Um, the next question comes from our boy Miz, our brother, um, at the other side of the coin, um, who I have a lot of respect for and time for. Um, he asks us Should Frank be finding a solution without Ziek or Polisic or Rice? Or should the fans be allowed to keep saying without his players that it's unfair to judge him? So this is a solid question. Um, for me, it's clear that Frank needs to work on what he has. You know, uh, Of course, things are easier when players coming back. Um, but let's be real. Not every manager gets who they want. Uh, and Frank can't be getting excused for being 3-0 down to West Brom and stuff like that. He can't be excused for running Mount into the ground. Every manager has to first deal with, you know, to do best with what they have in front of them. And that's what separates the best managers from the rest. Because perfect example here is Antonio Conte. I know he's split the fan base in terms of how people like him, how people don't. But Christ, he turned Victor Moses into a quality right wing back and won the league with him and won the league with Alonso. And could Frank Lampard do the same thing? Uh, It's up in the air. So uh, I'll come to Mike first with that question. No, I, I think yeah, it's 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 totally on Frank to to make do with what he's got in, in this situation here, and I think that's what's gonna really be the 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 hallmark or the calling card for how his career at Chelsea is gonna go. I think 
not just this season, but for the duration of his time here. He's going to have to have an opportunity or at least have a, or not an opportunity, but he's going to really have to think about how this team should be constructed when there are injuries, when there are players that maybe he's not able to secure, whatever it is, right? I mean, they, that's totally what he needs to do. We're not going to be able to play FIFA with with the league here and, and, and secure, you know, potentially a Declan Rice move or whatever. Like, those things, I mean, he's gotten a lot of love from, you know, the board, from Marina, and being able to get some players in this this transfer window. Um, but there are also some people that, that aren't necessarily his guys that are very, very capable of of playing great football in, in Pulisic and, of course, Conte and Kovacic. Those guys, I mean, they, they were here before he got here. So those are guys that, yeah, I mean, he's got um, he's got a wealth of talent in front of him even without the injuries uh, or even with the injuries in place. So it's up to him to figure out how to make, how to really, you know, push those buttons and, and get those results, man. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, to, to Mrs. question too, I think there is a, there is a, there is a place to exercise, you know, patience and things like that because um, as much as we want this team to win, as much as we want this team to succeed, um, it would be, I, I think it would just be inconceivable at this point to turn our back on Frank and say Lampard out or whatever, or, or fire him or whatever, it will, whatever it would be with Roman uh, in that respect, because yeah, there, there is, we don't have our best player right now um, in, in, in Pulisic right now. So those are things that I think that we have to, you know, put into context as well. But um, no, it's in, it's totally incumbent upon Frank to figure out exactly what what what's needed here in an effort to drive results for this team, regardless of injuries. Yeah, very, very, very well said. Um, Corey, I'm going to come to you next. Yeah, um, Mike put it. So well, I don't even know if I can even top what that freaking man just said. Um, <laughs> but like all coaches and all in every sport, there's always someone who's dealt with injuries and you need to, over the course of a season, overcome those injuries. And at the end of the day, you need to go out there and perform with whoever is left. And there are no excuses, on at least for me personally. Um, I... Like you mentioned, Conte, for example, turned Victor Moses into a prime right wing back all of a sudden in literally a couple of games. You know, the changing of that formation changed the whole, you know, whole the whole season for us. And I think with Frank, yeah, he's been dealt with some injuries, and yeah, I see and I understand where the fan base is coming from that they're uh, frustrated and upset by how the things have gone. Um, but this is, you know, this is a plan. No managers have ever been. I don't think. I can never remember a manager's being backed this heavy in one window. Um, and I know that, you know, COVID plays a factor into this with all the rest of the clubs who aren't, weren't able to spend money like we were. But, you know, um, I'm willing to give Frank time. I mean, he, some of his questions are, are, are concerning to me. Um, and, and a lot of his stuff that he does, I, I have questions, like I said before, need to be answered. But for what he's done, I'm you know, I'm willing to give him time. But 
at some point your patience wears very thin and if he keeps making the same mistakes and like I said earlier, if he doesn't learn from these mistakes, it's going to be him who dies on his own sword. So, you know, you have to be very careful that this is a league that is not forgiving. I mean, you have sometimes you only get one chance at this and if you really mess it up, it's over, you know. That's a very well that's a very good point. Very good point. Uh Andrew, to finish it up. Yeah, um, everything that Mike and Corey had said, I I echo. And not much more to add to that. You know, I think when you put it simply, um, we have a squad, um, even without Pulisic and Ziyech available, um, that should have made Liverpool a game, should have absolutely beaten Spurs in the Cup. And... um, should not have shipped three goals against West Brom. We can debate the minutia and the X's and O's of what system would have, you know, made sense in, in X game week with, you know, X injuries or uh, suspensions, et cetera. But, you know, with the backing that Frank has received with, with the sides that he has on paper, even factoring in those injuries, I, I would like to think that, he should find a way where even if, even if we were um, still struggling, you know, showing those growing pains as a club that we, we would see something thematic from one week to another. And I just, besides defensive lapses, I really don't think there's been something that's strung together two consecutive performances. So that's, I, I think that's kind of where my frustration lies. I do think, think that it is um, completely feasible and reasonable to uh, place some, some blame on the selections. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, that, that is his post. I don't think that it was nepotism from him being a club legend. I do think that he's an intelligent coach. I, I think that he did well at Derby and people will reduce, you know, well, he didn't really do anything. Um, he's a brilliant guy. It doesn't translate to being a brilliant tactician. Um, but, you know, we, we've had four games with uh, two. Uh, we have Kai Havertz and Timo Werner and Thiago Silva and Ben Chilwell have all made appearances now, and they've all been part of matches where we've dropped points. So, yes, I, I do think that it's reasonable to um, – to say that I think there's been a little bit of tactical shortcomings there. Okay. Well said. Um, we've got one final question, and it comes from Isabel, uh, at Isabel Cascabel. Uh, excuse me if I butchered that. Uh, but she asks, how long is it necessary for us to wait to have a consistent team? Um, for me, this all depends, really, right? It all depends on how fit players are. Um, but if we're taking it in a nutshell and everybody is fit, you expect us to have a consistent team, a consistent lineup week in, week out, with maybe subtle changes here and there based on opposition, maybe subtle changes based on you know fitness of players. But you know, to I do want to see Frank, you know, settle on a back four. I do want to see him settle on a pivot, and I do want to see him settle on you know his favorite attacking players. Um, but for me, it all depends on personnel and you know if they're fit. So, so Mike, do you agree on that, or do you think it should be sooner or later? Uh, three years. 
three years. No, uh, but no, absolutely. It's definitely depends. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, and I think this is a fantastic question because I, there, there is some, there definitely is some merit to that, to that expectation of like, well, how, how soon is now, um, in this respect? So, um, no, man, I, I, it, it, it depends, but I think once we get over this international break hump and we've have our guys in, I think with the exception of Billy, I think he's going to be out just a little bit longer. Um, yeah. then, then we can really examine what this team's going to look like week in and week out. Um, with the exception of, you know, knocks here and there from that point barring any crazy injuries again so yeah i I think i think it's gonna you know it depends but i think um in a couple of weeks we should really have a a good handle on what this team's gonna look like week in and week out yeah certainly hope so andrew do you agree with that sentiment i do and you know i think i might be a little bit more of a cynic uh, about injuries moving forward. I haven't seen a lot of uh, cause for optimism from how we've triaged and um, communicated injuries uh, in the past year, honestly. So, you know, I, I think any club, uh, not just Chelsea right now, you know, once once Ziyech and, and Pulisic come back, you know, there's no doubt that we're going to have a player, you know, whether it's N'Golo Conte being burnt out after 20 consecutive matches again, you know, whether it's Timo Werner getting these knocks in these games where we're always, we're large, we're going to have many matches where we're going to have selection dilemmas because of injury or omission, et cetera. And that can't be a hindrance or an excuse for not having consistency. Uh, you know, when you get halfway through the season, uh, you you can't just say, oh, well, you know, Kovacic and Conte are out. We couldn't figure that out. Kai Havertz is out. We couldn't figure out how to accommodate a system around who we have. Um, so hopefully we get, you know, months with a fully fit team uh, all together. And hopefully that gives Frank an opportunity to understand um, contingency plans for if X player gets injured, because I'll tell you what, if we get really used to playing Kai as a 10 in a four, two, three, one, and he's that integral and we lose him for a match, uh, we need a contingency plan, whether that's slotting someone into that 10 role, like for like, um, or that means a system change. I, I don't think that we're there yet, but you have to realize that we can't use limited personnel as a crutch forever um in in lampard's you know one and a half year juncture right now very make a very solid point there um and to finalize Corey, my friend yeah um it you know injuries are you know part of the sport part of the game and everything and to a degree you have to be a little forgiving um it is like it is what it is, you know. What I mean, you can't control everything. Not everybody is always going to be a hundred percent fit. But when I always like to have a backup plan in a situation like that, I don't even know if Frank has his best eleven. I know that we all, you know, we have our ideas of what his best eleven is and what we think our best eleven is. But I don't think he truly knows what his is because he's dealt with injuries so often. You know what I mean? Um, 
so it's I think it's hard, like Andrew said, it's always best to have a contingency plan. And if you don't have one, you kind of screw yourself over. Um, so I, I give him some time and 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 I can understand, you know, where everyone comes from. You know, everyone has a different point of view. Everyone wants immediate success and in, in with even with the players who are out, you still want to you still need to win the games and there's no excuse to that. But um sometimes it, you know you're dealt with what you're dealt with and those are the cards you play so in a situation like that it's hard you know you, you want to be forgiving but at the same time you're you're mad because you know that you should you should win like a game like West Brom you know you should win those games and you know injuries like that like Pulisic was there or you know ZH was there you know and everyone was playing you may say the game may have turned out differently you know what I mean but um I mean, you have to be a little bit forgiving and and understand that, you know, Christian's been injured quite a bit, you know, and it's kind of scary to see. So hopefully he he's remains to be fit, but it, it's kind of scary. You know what I mean? So he's got to deal with, you got to deal with and Frank has to come up with a plan. And if he doesn't come up with a plan, like I've said earlier, he, he lays on his own sword and, and that's how, you know, it ends for him. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, that does it for questions and it does it for the pod today, people. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you for coming on. So, Corey, I'll start with you, my friend. Let everyone know where they can find you to drop your social. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. Um, honestly, you can follow me at my actual name, so my first and last at Corey Keeler. Um, follow me on there. I'm actually kind of quiet lately, but um, do follow me. I, I, you know, I have a life and a job and, and a kid and a family, <laughs> so I, I'm pretty quiet on there. But you know, do give a follow if you if you feel interested. Yeah, for sure. Corey's got some great takes, my friend. And he, like I said, he's basically my white boy twin, so <laughs> you got to follow my guy. Of course. <laughs> All right, thank you, Corey. Um, of and Mike. Thank you. Yeah, always a pleasure, brother. Um, yeah, they can find me at, at ATXCFC. That's short for Austin, Texas Chelsea Football Club. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I use Twitter for the better part of you know, my duration uh, prior to joining um, football Twitter for that matter as a troll account. Um, currently, well, I was sort of locked in a feud with Joey Janela from AEW for a minute there. Um, <laughs> his previous account, he blocked me. Hulk Hogan's blocked me. Um, oh, that's hysterical. It's, um, but no, um, yeah, now I've, I've sort of, you know, shifted, pivoted, turned a new leaf, whatever. Um, to football Twitter, so um, and occasionally I do retweet some really stupid things, but mostly it's uh, just for fun. Yeah, no, that's what we all do. <laughs> <laughs> without without you being on football Twitter, like with Andrew and, and Corey and the rest of us, none of us would have met, and none of this would have happened. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. We we appreciate your time today, my friend. And lastly, Andrew, let us know where we can find you. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no, it's it's always a pleasure, even uh, even discussing two um, very lackluster performances. I, I always enjoy this, um, and and honestly, picked up a, a few gems of concepts like like Mike's uh, Billy Gilmore and Ingolo Conte did it. But you can uh, you can find me. In uh, Kamal's replies, whenever he posts a tweet <laughs> about food opinions, um, <laughs> carefree chorizo, look for the pineapple and the pizza emoji. Um, it's always a pleasure interacting with you guys on the platform. And um, I won't even feign 
the illusion of having a life outside of uh, being on football Twitter with you guys. But um, but yeah, it's it's a pleasure. All the guys who ask questions as well. Um, massive shout out to you guys. Um, it's been uh, really cool having these dialogues after both wins and losses. So um, looking forward to uh, to many more. And uh, again, thanks again, Kamal. It was a pleasure to be on here as always. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, and to the listeners, as I keep saying all the time, the content does not stop. You know, Sadiq posts daily videos. Sometimes he does twice, sometimes he does three times. But check out his content on his YouTube at Worldwide Chels. Um, Check out the pod, obviously, and the articles that Andrew drops, that Tyler drops, that Brooke drops, that, you know, fucking Arrow and Matt. You know, we've got a, a solid team here, man. This is, we're growing, we're growing fast. You know, WWC is going to soon one day take over. Um, but yeah, my people, thank you so much for listening. Thank you all for your questions. Rate us, subscribe, do what you're going to do. We love your feedback and we want to improve. And this is all for you guys. And, you know, this is here, just friends talking about football. Uh, but that's it. As always. Until-